Hey, Slingers, welcome to another week of the Word Slinger podcast. And uh, we're going to ask the question today, delicate question, do your Facebook ads suck? We're going to talk about that and more with Mal Cooper. Hang around. Hey, how you doing on money? I know it's a touchy subject, but uh, I got something that may help you out. See, I'm using an app called Acorns. And it helps me manage some investing, uh, put some money back, get a little interest. It's kind of nice to watch my money grow. So I want to share that with you. Go to kevintumlinson.com acorns and you'll get some free money. See you there. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand. Write your book. Redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. Well, I am Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Uh, first, first. I want to say thank you for uh, coming back around uh, after I've been gone for like the past three or four weeks. Um, and that's uh, that was not unexpected. I did tell everybody I was going to be at conferences and, and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, specifically, I was at Nink for, oh, a week or so, a little over. And then I had to fly to Colorado and then I had a whole bunch of other stuff that happened uh, in between. Including getting sick. <laughs> Get the uh, traveler's crud. Um, and so I'm, uh, I'm kind of on the mend from that. Um, I think there's some residual stuff going on. You can hear it in my voice probably. Um, but I had a great time at the conferences. Learned a lot. Uh, did some pretty cool stuff. Uh, lots of stories came out of that. And I'll, I'll probably share a few here and there. Not today though. Not, not the... Uh, not the lengthy ones. Maybe on the, another episode. So <laughs> maybe on the 200. Uh, so we're at 199 right now. We're at 199 episodes. So we got the big 200 coming up. Uh, I'm I'm kind of excited about that. I need to f- I need to find a way to make that one special. Yeah, uh, something something unique. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Um, so uh, while at Nink, I got a chance to hang out with today's guest, uh, Mal Cooper. Now. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna preface this and say that uh, I chatted with Mal back in uh, February 2019, um, February 25th to be precise about it. Um, this was prior to certain uh, shifts in, um, uh, in Mal's lifestyle, we'll say. <laughs> so I do. I do refer to her as uh, Michael in the interview. I don't want to give offense to anybody. I know she's cool with it. So, um, but this was prior to. Uh, the changes. So, uh, and I don't want to put too fine a point on that. I just wanted to call it out because uh, it, it, you know, if you happen to know Mal, you know that um, this is there's uh, there are things that have progressed. So um, now all that aside, I know that sounded awkward. I didn't mean for any of that to sound awkward. Um, Mal's a good friend of mine. Uh, we have known each other for years, and uh, I was really happy to uh, to have her on the show and to talk about. Uh, your Facebook ads suck, which there is a second edition coming out soon, I'm told. So, um, sorry this took so long, Mal, by the way, if you're listening, uh, to, to get around to putting this up. Um, but you know, things happen. I I pre-record these well in advance, so I've got like a year's worth of, of interviews in the can (laughs) to, uh, so that, uh, you know, I don't have to scramble for a guest or something. Uh, maybe it's time to rethink that policy. I want to make sure that everybody gets their, their exposure, uh, in a timely manner. So, uh, we'll look at it. I'm always tinkering with the show. You know how it goes. Uh, so anyway, I'm not going to keep you from this interview. We talk about, uh, Facebook ads and some other things, uh, some really, truly interesting things that I think you'll enjoy, uh, get something out of. I hope you enjoy uh, this episode and um, stick around on the other side. Well, I'll, I'll have a few words to cap us off. And uh, other than that, I'll see you there. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another great interview. I can't wait to do this one. Uh, I met Michael Cooper uh, a couple of years ago now, right, Michael? At uh, Indie yep. Book Fest, I think. Yep. Uh, we've had lots of opportunities to chat. Uh, Occasionally, we don't see eye to eye on certain aspects of the business, which is why it's good to 
to chat with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, I've learned quite a bit from you, and especially your book, uh, which was signed to me as a book. Uh, uh, I don't want to use the word, but it was signed to me to indicate that I was not a unicorn and he was not a unicorn. Uh, there was an expletive in there somewhere, but thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for going on the show, Michael. You bet. Thanks for having me. And the you book bet. I was just referencing, by the way, was help my Facebook ads suck. That was the right. One. Yeah. Yeah. So things going pretty well with that one. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I probably need to update it to be honest, but um, I think if I were to update the book, most of what I would say in it is don't pay attention to all the new shiny stuff and just yeah. do ads, you know, the way that makes, that makes sense. Yeah, Facebook's got so much stuff right now. They're trying to promote, you know, ways to turn images into video and all sorts of things like that. And my advice that I would probably update the book with is ignore all of that until you're really yeah. good at running regular image ads and then start experimenting with more. I think that's, that's good advice. And, you know, Facebook's little ad crew, they harass you over it. I don't know if you've yeah. gotten the sales pitches and the sales calls and, I did like a 30 minute uh, walk through the guy was trying to convince me to start using more video and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for video, but it, it takes more time to produce. So, well, that, and it's, if you make a mistake, it's an expensive mistake. Exactly. Like if right. you, make a video ad that just does nothing. You, you might've dropped a couple hundred dollars on that and you get nothing out of it. Whereas right. image ads, you can pay a buck a picture. Right. Know? Right. So I think we're, we're putting uh, the cart in front of the horse uh, right are, now because yeah. I want to talk to you about sort of your, how you got into the business, what you're, what you're doing. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your, uh, cause you write under MD Cooper. Right. Uh, that's at least one pen name. Uh, do you have other pen, pen names? Nope. That's it. That's, that's all it. I do. That's all you do all day in and out. Uh, so tell me how you got into the business, man. So, I mean, I've like a lot of folks I've been writing since I was a kid. Um, for me, it started when, when I finished Lord of the Rings and I didn't want the story to stop. So I started writing my own stuff. Um, I started playing around with maps and whatnot. And for me, maps and setting are where I get a lot of my ideas. So I started like copying the Lord of the Rings maps out of the books and drawing my own. And I started making my own maps and I started thinking about who would live in these places and what they would do. And, and, um, and that's where the story started coming from. In fact, there's a, a map up on my wall that you can kind of see behind me. I did that <laughs> when I was 19 years old. <clears throat> wow. It's just one of the maps I love. It's, um, it's massive. It's probably got, I want to say it's probably got about four or 500 um, cities and names and nations and all sorts of stuff all over it. And someday I'm going to, that's a fantasy world. Someday I'm going to write that story. But right now. I was going to ask, so that, I was going to ask you if that was one you were already writing in, but you haven't written anything in that yet. I haven't yet. No, but that one, that one I will. It's, um, I, I wrote about one book when I was like 21. And of course I didn't know what I was doing back then. So it's kind of garbage. So I'd have to throw it out and start yeah, over. Yeah. But. Yeah, it was like any, anything, you know, a lot of practice makes perfect. <laughs> and um, I'm pretty sure that the, the thing that changed me over science fiction was watching um, Firefly. Mm -hmm. And I realized that you could take science fiction and you could have a lot of fun with it. Right. Yeah. And, hey, uh, brown coat for life here, man. That's right. So that's what got me going is, <laughs> is, is that. And I, uh, I put up my first, published my, self-published my first book in 2012. Yep. And um, between 2012 and June of 2016, I put out three books. And since November of 2016, I've put out an additional 70 books. Wow. That is prolific, man. That's people say books. I'm prolific. You, you've run laps around me now. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I'm one of those people that when I decide to do something, I just sort of throw myself into all in. Yeah. What was your career prior to writing? I was a software developer. Okay. And then eventually I, be, I moved into management and I was actually a, a CTO and a CIO of, of a couple of different companies. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, you're driven and you, you understand the whole entrepreneurial mindset. And the, oh yeah. Yeah. I've worked in entrepreneur in startups and entrepreneurial businesses almost my entire life. So I'm used yeah. to that thing where like you wear lots of hats and, and you do whatever you have to do to make your, you to succeed. Cause right. my, my belief is no one else is going to succeed for you. So if you want to do great things, you just got to buckle down and do them. Yeah. So what, okay. So what did you bring into uh, your author business from that world that that's been very useful? Because you are doing this full time. Yep. Yeah, I've been doing this full time now since January first, twenty seventeen. Okay. Um, I think, like for me, a lot of it was um, I was one of those software developers that possessed the, the unknown and rare skill where I could talk to clients, salespeople, and other software developers. Right. Um, which which is pretty rare, and usually what caused me to end up in management, even though I kind of hated being in management. Right. Um, 
but I feel like I, I have a fairly good ability to take a technical issue or something, something that's got a lot of, a lot of specific technical detail, detail to it and make it interesting to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I was able to do that in, in, um, in my career. In fact, when we would do conferences, I was like the number one booth babe. I was right. like the one that would always be in the booth. Like if we were doing a conference that had like a, a, a conference floor, if there was like three days, I would be in the booth 20, you know, the whole time for a whole three days talking to people. And I think that same skill, be able to take, talk about technical things and make it into a fun story and interesting for the, for whoever I'm speaking to came out really well with writing science fiction. Right. Cause I write, I write hard science fiction, which is very much about the science and getting, getting the details right. But I also do it in a way where I tell a really fun story. Yeah. And, um, I almost consider myself to be more, almost like an evangelist of hard science, where it's like, I'm going to tell you this story where everything actually obeys the laws of physics or extrapolates on the known laws of physics, but then is a fun yarn as well. And, and, and is a bit like Firefly and that it's a fun space shoot em up, up story, but also, you know, doesn't, doesn't make anybody cringe when they, when they hear about certain aspects of the science that are in it. Right. And uh, you've been pretty successful at this so far. I've done all right. Yeah. I mean, it's not a question. It's more a statement, but you have been pretty successful at this. Have you not? <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've done all right. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I'm going, I'm going wide now, which, yeah. which um, I'm guessing your, your um, audience knows what that means. So my, my rank on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so probably for about two years, I was in the top 50 science fiction authors on Amazon. Yeah. Um, I've gone down a bit now because I'm going wide. So I don't get the KU borrowers boosting me up as much as I used to. So now I'm like around 53 or so, but I figure that's been, that's pretty. And the fact I'm going wide and financially I'm doing just as well as I did before. I consider that to be pretty good too. Yeah, that is good. That's yeah. a, so, I mean, I, all my sci-fi and fantasy books are wide. They do okay, but not great. Mm -hmm. My, uh, because the thriller series is kind of new, I've been, running in KU to kind of right. build it up. So I'm going to be taking those wide once I hit around 12 books. Right. So I'm, I'm very keen to hear your strategy on how you, <laughs> how you're making this, this uh, transition and how you're making it successfully. Well, I think the, one of the things that I found is really interesting. So I took my first series wide. Um, I think it was January of 20. Yeah, it was actually just January 2018 that I did. I took okay. a, a series wide called Rika. And for whatever reason, it never did that well in KU. I put out two books in KU and they almost got no KU reads. So I figured this is a great one to try taking wide. And it now is my, it now vies with my flagship series for, for the most revenue. Okay. Um, obviously, it sell, it's the funny thing though, is it sells less. But because I'm not getting those KU reads, I'm selling these right. books for $4.99 and making 70% off the books, I'm actually making as much money as a series that sells almost twice as many. Right, um, yeah. And the interesting thing is I make, I, and all of this is just on Amazon. This mm -hmm. isn't counting the wide money. Just on Amazon, this series is now actually almost beating my flagship KU series. Oh, you're getting all those sales just on Amazon. What, what about the other channels? The other channels, um, they bring me about 2,000 a month okay. on this series. Which yeah. is not huge, but it's but it's it's sort of the interesting thing is that my, my fear was that the Amazon money would all dry up, but yeah. instead the Amazon money has increased. Right, um, I, and I feel like that is partially because I have a readership that will buy the books regardless. I think a lot of new folks starting out may not have that yeah. um, going for them because you might you don't have these readers that will already buy the books. But I've I've worked really hard on 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 cultivating um, a readership that that will buy. Yeah, and I've also also done part of what I've how I've done that is I focus more on advertising. Um, to readers of authors who are not in KU right. as well. Yeah. So when I do my AMS ads and whatnot, I target non-KU authors so I can find people who, who will buy books versus borrow them. Yeah. I think, uh, and when, you know, my Facebook ads in particular were always aimed at, some of those were KU authors, uh, but, well, uh, but largely I was aiming at authors who I knew were having a success rate with the audience I was targeting and were <clears throat> selling, not yes. giving things away. So yeah. even though they're in KU, I knew that they were making actual sales. So I think that's a good strategy. So yeah. you're, you're, how about the new stuff? Are you going out when you're, when you say you're taking the series wide, do you take the entire series and go wide or you do, you do a, a, a slow trickle release? Well, I've only actually ever finished one series. Okay. So um, <laughs> I have 20, 23 series and they're all currently ongoing. Yeah. That's insane, um, man. Well, I guess actually I've, I've, I've wrapped two series up. I've wrapped two. Okay. Um, so I have done some, but what I did is, is the one series 
that I'm, I'm, when book three came out, I moved the whole thing wide and it's been wide ever since. So when a book, new book comes out, it's wide right off the bat. Okay. Um, I've then taken my original series, The Intrepid Saga, and that is now wide. I'm taking one of the prequel series wide. And then this year I'm launching two more series, brand new series, and they're going to launch wide. They're not going to be in KU ever. Okay. Um, and one of them actually is going to be a Kobo exclusive initially as well. Really? Yeah. You, do you get a lot of traction on Kobo? I do as well on Kobo as I do on all the other wide retailers combined. Oh, well, well that's impressive. Yeah. Most, for most people, and me included, it's always Apple. I, um, Apple Apple's outside. my number three. I do better on Barnes and Noble than, than, than Apple. And I, and I advertise to Apple and I still don't do as well. I don't run any ads for Barnes and Noble and they outsell Apple for me. That is very interesting. I know it's, it's like, I'm living in this bizarro world. You're, but, yeah. You're almost the exact opposite of everyone else I talk to because nobody gets sales in Barnes and Noble. It's well, like, they, it's non-existent. I know it's, I didn't understand either. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like pumping money into ads on Apple. I'm like, okay, I'm barely breaking even is kind of what I worked out. Yeah. Um, and read through eventually it'll, it'll, it'll be all right. But, um, but Barnes and Noble was actually starting to beat Apple month yeah. over month and running zero ads. Yeah. So yeah. I actually killed my ads for Apple. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's up? interesting. Yeah. I don't do any advertising to push anything to Apple. Of course. I, I told you before we started, I kind of curtailed all my ads uh, while I do a kind of baseline and figure right. everything out. But um, you know, I was getting a lot of Apple promotions and then I was getting, I actually had hit number one in sci-fi on Apple for wow. a brief time. And then that led exactly nowhere because they're <laughs> <laughs> the way their promotion system works. You know, it's like big deal. That's never happened. No one even knows anymore. <laughs> yep, exactly. I find, so I, I run ads for, um, for Kobo both in the UK and Canada is where I run my Kobo okay. ads. Um, okay. I spend, they're, they're both just at $5 a day ads, but I've had. Yeah, that's smart though, because that's, their tar- their biggest targets like yeah. they're not big in the u.s so you run ads for Kobo u.s and nothing will happen right right you know but um but yeah in canada i've been i've had two to three books in the top 10 for sci-fi in Kobo canada now for a year and a half okay so it's, that's impressive it's working out well for me and i'm like i'm, I'm doing a, I'm probably this month i'll probably actually do fifteen hundred dollars on Kobo without any releases yeah yeah that's you know? uh Which is, that's- it's not huge dollars, but no, it's but I mean, nice. it adds to the pool and, um, and especially if it's, it's consistent, I mean, you know, $1,500 yeah. to, to two grand, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's, that's a nice, you know, for a lot of authors, they take that as their monthly overall. So, yeah. I mean, that's, it's a mortgage payment. You know, that's a, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I remember for a long time that I was capping at like 1500 to 2000 for, for a real long time. Yeah. Uh, especially wide. And then, you know, when things broke over big, I was really grateful for it, but I still think in my brain, I'm trained to think of $1,500 as being a, a nice chunk of change. So <laughs> and I guess if it is really, if you think about it, it's, it really is. if someone just walked up to you and handed you $1,500, you, you count that as a damn good day. <laughs> oh yeah. That day. <laughs> that's all you're getting. This is all I'm giving you for the month, but that's it. You know, you'd still celebrate, go out and buy dinner, steaks. Oh, yeah. Happy. Yeah, have a, have a nice meal. <laughs> so, um, okay. I think I, okay. I, I, and what I was hitting at there is, do you, when you released the series wide and now you're taking them wide, you're not, so you're not doing like a new, whole new launch, right? You're just, now you just go wide. You don't, you, there's no like transition for you from KU to wide? It depends on the series. There's a couple of my series where I told the readers I'm going to finish out the thing in KU. Okay. So those ones are going to be in KU. Some of them probably until the middle of next year. Right. Um, and then they'll make their way wide as well. Um, right. But I, but, um, I, I want to see how that works because uh, the strategy I'm, I'm going with, that I decided I would try, is to do 12 books in that series and then go back to the beginning and take those wide one month at a time. And uh, while I continue to write 12 more books, Right in that series, and the hope there is to kind of get the best of both worlds. Keep keep grabbing Ku dollars, while I also uh, please a wider audience who are asking for the book. Some people yeah. have written pissed off that they're not able to buy those books on Kobo or whatever. I so. think in, in some respects I am doing a similar thing because all of okay. my books are in the same universe. Okay. So in even so, these books that I am taking wide do lead into other books. You know. Okay. So so as 
as I, so really what you're doing book by book, I'm almost doing series by series, series in a way. By series. Yeah. Rub it in. Why don't you? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think you still might actually be outselling me right now. You've been doing really well from what I've seen. I've been doing very well and I, I'm very pleased with how it's going. I don't know if I'm outselling anybody. I don't try, I don't put myself up against anybody, but, um, for, you know, comparing my year over year, uh, it, it, you know, things have been phenomenal. So I think I'm doing okay. I'm buying, yeah. I'm buying RVs and, but you know, we're looking at buying a house and we're looking at a whole bunch of other stuff off of book income. I never could say that back in like 2013. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I want to talk to you now. Well, we'll talk about anything you want to talk about, but one of the things I do want to come around on is talking about like the Facebook ads and stuff. That's, that was one of the things that, uh, when I initially invited you on the shows was, uh, uh, because that's something people get sort of flustered over, um, it is, yeah. and get intimidated over. So, but you wrote a book that kind of makes it pretty simple, I think. Uh, and it's a lot cheaper than the courses that people, some people are charging for. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was part of my goal. I didn't, I, I felt like the information was basically, I think all information is out there and you can probably yeah. find it in lots of forums. So I didn't want to charge a lot of money for it, but I but there's also so much misinformation out there. Right. And, I, I kind of like the boiled down approach that, that you took, you know, cause it is, it, it's what I tell people too, essentially. Cause I, I, everyone always asks like what their marketing strategy should be. And I say, you know, you should pick one thing, master that one thing. And when you've mastered that, then you can add the next thing. Yeah. And that's pretty yeah. much Otherwise, you. You could spend all day, every day, just spreading yourself across right. all the different things you could do and get no traction, not right. know what's working. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Believe me, that's what I did for the first like five years. Yeah. Uh, and it's exhausting. So, but you, can you walk a little, I don't want to spoil the book for anybody and everybody should go buy it. And by the way, everyone links in the uh, show notes, but, uh, what's the, um, what's kind of the basics of the, of your process? Well, I think the, the very first thing that, that drives me nuts when, um, when people talk about advertising, well, I guess a lot of it was born of people saying it's not working mm -hmm. when they're running ads. And so my first question was, well, how do you know it's not working? Right. And a lot of times you're just like, well, I'm not a millionaire the next day, you know? <laughs> right. um, so, and, and to varying degrees of that, but they're not, they were expecting, you know, the, the red sea to part and, you know, the Israelites to come through yeah. and whatever other great things were supposed to happen. But that's not the way advertising really works unless you have a massive budget mm -hmm. of, that you can throw at it. Mostly you got to build it up. You got to understand what's working and, and, and go slow, but you also have to understand what a sale is worth. Like I've, I came up in software development and a lot of times it was startups. So I had a very good understanding of, of the effort that I was going to put in and what that was going to return for the company. Right. Um, so we, and we knew like if we brought a customer on and they, we knew what, what on average customers would buy. And then we could say, okay, well, if we put this much effort into this feature, the customers that are paying for it will actually make it profitable versus like maybe if it was this particular tier in the business and we said, if we put this much effort in the feature, it'll just never be profitable because the customers don't pay enough. You know, we had a, I had a very good understanding of, of that sort of thing. And so I looked at all these authors, I realized these authors had no idea what profit w was, what it looked like for them. Right, right. And, and, and since most of us write in series, the main idea is, okay, if I sell a book one, what's my read through? And what's that, what's that turn into in dollars? If, if my readers, you know, because read through will drop off. There's just no two ways about it. Right. Um, so you, well, except for in certain cases, like Lee Childs has some books now that do better than his, sold more books recently than his original books have ever sold. But that's, right. that's different right. than what a lot of authors experience. He also has film deals with Tom Cruise and. Uh, yeah, that, that skews things. But, <laughs> but by and large, you know, series read through will drop off, but you can calculate it what it's worth. And for me right now, if I sell book one of one of my books, it's worth about $120 um, in, in read through, which is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. Most series were with around maybe three to five books. It's only worth about seven or eight bucks. Right. If you sell book one, assuming book one's at 99 cents, if book one's more than 99 cents, it might be worth as much as 10 bucks. Right. Um, so you have to say to yourself, okay, if I'm spending more than $10 to sell a book, I'm losing money, but people don't really didn't understand that. They didn't know where their break even was. So a lot of my thing is just about understanding that first, right. what the sale of a book is worth. And then from there, it's really just saying now create an ad that's an image, not a video, not a carousel, nothing fancy, just an image with text and, and write that text like you would write a blurb is my, my main argument. Because I, I, I explained to people like, this is your one chance to show people that you're an author and right. you can tell a story. So I, I, my argument is that unless you're selling a deal, then if you're selling a deal, you use more traditional ad copy because you're not selling the book, you're selling the price. Right. But if you're selling a, if it's a regular ad you want to keep running, you're selling the book and you're selling your skill as a writer. 
So I, I, I advocate very strongly that people write longer copy and they, they write copy that, that, um, that tells a bit of a story. Entice the reader, get them, get them to click that link, get them to go to the Amazon page. The Amazon page should not be the same thing as your ad because you want to take them through a journey. Um, and then just work on that until you get ads that actually work well. And then you can start to experiment with video and you can start to do fancier things and whatnot. But it's really right. about mastering that, that single image ad. And then my other main piece of advice is stop using your book covers. Yeah. Um, and stop putting text in the picture. Yeah. And, and I, still, I still think like half of the author ads I see, there's text in, in the picture. And Amazon even says, we will show your ad to fewer people and charge you more money if you put text in the picture. Right. It used to be that they wouldn't show it at all. They'd be like, nope. We're not, we're not going to let you run this ad with text. And then eventually they gave in. They're like, fine, you can put text on the image. But they still say, like, we ain't showing this to anybody. We're charging more money. Yeah. And all these authors keep doing it. If I could do one thing, it would just be to convince all authors just to put pictures up and stop putting text on the picture. That's what the words above and below are for. Yeah. You've got all these spots where you get – because in traditional advertising, like say in a newspaper or magazine, there's no image and text section. It's all part of the image. But on Facebook, you've got – specific places to put the text so put your text there yeah that's uh, the ads that have worked best for me and i do i have i've started using um animated images <clears throat> do well because i can text, do them fast. Grab, you grab the eye right and they're and they're subtle i don't do anything i try not to go overboard with them but they they get attention and they 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 get people to check it out um yeah i know i've stopped putting occasionally i end up with a cover in an image just because i'm in a hurry or whatever. I do that. <laughs> I do do a cover image when I'm, when I'm putting a, a, a post up on my, on my page and then I boost it for all the people who like yes. all my page. Right. Cause, cause for them, I'm letting them know this is a book you've been waiting for. Here's yes. the book. Like I'm, I'm reiterating to them that this is a book. Yeah. That um, makes sense. If I'm trying to grab new eyeballs, then I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. And you're targeting, uh, I think we discussed this already. You're targeting guys who are not in KU. You, yeah, uh, but they write them. in your genre, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah, not, like guys like John Scalzi and, right. and a lot of trad pub guys like Larry Niven and the like, you know. Right. Those are, those guys are getting expensive, man. I, don't, I Well, I don't do sci-fi anymore, so I don't really target those guys anymore. But like the people they in my expensive. bunch, Lee Child and, you know, Clive Cussler and those guys are kind of getting, they're not cheap to target anymore. <laughs> yeah, what I... I, mean, I recommended this and I, I shot myself in the foot, but what I do is I do target a lot of golden era sci-fi mm. authors because um, people don't think to target them and they're all available on Facebook. And I told yeah. everybody this and then my ad cost went up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't regret doing that, but. Well, right. we, you know, we do that. I've, that's really, I understand that entirely. I mean, cause that's, you know, I share everything and I think sometimes to our detriment, we all share everything, but yep. that's also how we figure out new ways to do things. Uh, and eventually it's not going to be a secret forever. Anyway, we already know this. that's right. Yeah. Somebody's going to figure it out. Uh, yeah, there aren't a whole lot of golden era, um, archeological thriller writers. Uh, I've got no. Clive Cussler. <laughs> yeah. Basically Clive Cussler. <laughs> that's pretty much it and uh but what and no one's out searching for the authors that I actually think would be the perfect targets which are the uh pulp fiction era guys right no one's searching for those and i, I that's too bad you know because i think that would be perfect but it doesn't work because i think it's perfect it works because this is what that's, people are looking for that is a really important thing is that <laughs> a lot of times you'll spend you'll spend hours building the perfect ad and the perfect audience and whatnot. And you'll think this is going to be the one that's just going to nail it. It's going to be, yeah. people are going to see this ad. They're going to love it. They're going to convert and it does nothing. Yeah. And then some crummy one you threw up, you know, in like five minutes ends up being amazing. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's so much of it too. It's not, it's not always what, it's very hard to predict what people are going to like, that's true. which is why you just have to do a lot of it. So I wanted to ask you, um, because I remember there was a time in Mark Dawson's whole course where he, actually was not fond of the promoted posts, uh, boosted posts. Uh, do you, <clears throat> how, how do you feel about that, about the boosted posts versus ads? I generally recommend against boosted posts. Um, although the reasoning for doing so has diminished. It used to be that you couldn't put a button on the boosted right. posts. Now you can. And now you can. And I have to, I should double check this, but I'm pretty sure that on a boosted post though, if you click the image, it just enlarges the image. Okay. It doesn't actually take you to the, to the destination. 
And I think that's still the main argument against using a boosted post. Whereas you do a regular ad, they click the image, they go where you want them to go. Whereas a boosted post, it just makes the image bigger. And then you pay for that. Because um, on boosted posts, you pay for interactions. So you're paying right. for them clicking the image and just getting a bigger version of the image. That's a, good, um, that's a very good point. Yeah, and I, I think that's still the main reason why I don't, I don't run them. But I, I get lazy sometimes when I just do sales and announcements and whatnot. I just put a post up and I, and I boost it. Because in many cases, for those people, it's an awareness situation. Right. You know, I just want them to know the new books out and, and if they want it, they're going to go get it, you know, cause so what, already... if, what if the, uh, what if that image is actually coming in from the preview of a landing page you're, you're promoting? I think that is the scenario where it will, like, if you don't put an image in specifically, you just put a link in and then it auto populates it. Then I believe that it'll, that will take them right to it. Okay. But if you specifically okay. have put in an image, then it doesn't, doesn't take right. them there. Yeah. That is a frustration that I've had with, with uh, Facebook in general. Is that a lot of posts that I put up, I'd rather, the, I'd rather your click go to a page, even if I'm not promoting it. Like I'll, sometimes I'm just sharing the image because the preview didn't pull that image. Right. So it's very frustrating to try to share something and then, you know. On the downside though, is if you, if you, um, if you do the thing where it pulls in the, pre the preview, Facebook shows those to less people. Okay. So that's the thing, like we put an Amazon link, it's got the, the, the book and then the blurb and whatnot. It'll show those to fewer people than it shows just a straight image to. It's interesting. Why do you think that is? Um, it's has, I mean, I've only done this anecdotally. I've done some tests where I did some side-by-side -side comparisons of, yeah. of different things. And I found that the, the, the straight up images got shown to more people. I'm guessing it's just part of their logic that they think people will, people like images more than previews. All right. It goes against, you know, like a hundred years of advertising uh, knowledge. But well, whatever. Facebook's thing is that Facebook doesn't want posts to look like ads. Yeah. Cause that's, cause right now they, they've hit ad saturation and, and they have to make it so as much of the advertising content looks like, like regular posts as, as possible. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's, I think that that possibly incorrectly drives too much of the way they do things. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think, that, I, mean, I think that I think if you want to, I, I think that in many cases show it showing some right up front that you're advertising a book is a good idea. But on Facebook, if you show a picture of a book, they'll show it to fewer people. So you can't show a book. Right. Whereas other advertising mediums, I would absolutely show a cover of the, the book cover. But yeah. on Facebook, it, it hurts you because of just the way they price and show the show the content. So when you're uh, when you're on when you're running ads on Facebook, is your goal more uh, sales or list building or you know what's your sort of motive. I don't, I don't believe in using Facebook for list building. I think it's, um, see, this is where you and I, we talked about this at Indie Book Fest and this is where you and I were, were at odds. One of the yeah. rare things that you and I don't agree on. Well, I guess I got my is, reasons. It just comes down to cost per lead. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, you're probably going to spend about 15 cents to 30 cents per email address. If you're using yeah. Facebook ads to, to get email addresses, and when I do multi-author promotions or I work with, um, with groups like Sci-Fi Bridge or whatnot, I'm paying one to two cents per email address. Right. So, so it's like it's between seven and 15 times more expensive to use ads to get those email addresses. Right. But then, you know, well, we're not going to go into that. Uh, you can make because, an argument that the email addresses are less valuable because they're shared with more people and whatnot. Yeah. And, and I, my, my whole goal in uh, list building is always to, you know, come, it really comes back to that uh, how – what you, and I forget how you defined it, but the, you know, how much is that reader worth? Like right. over lifetime. And uh, I feel like I can qualify leads better with uh, Facebook ads that are meant to get them on a list rather than sell to them directly. I do feel like that, your right. genre is different too, because I don't feel like you have a lot of well, that's true. low cost alternatives to get these email addresses. That's true. And my, my tack for sci-fi was different than this. Yeah. Like so, in sci-fi, there are dozens of groups that are running these, these multi-author promotions and whatnot and giveaways and all sorts of things that can get you lots of email addresses. I don't think there's as much of that in Thriller, is there? We'll do, we'll do some of that. There are a few of us that band together and do that, but because we have so much crossover already, it's almost not worthwhile. Yeah, if it's the same people, you're not getting anything yeah, out of it. it's pretty much the same folks, right. But I could probably do every week, I could probably do one with entirely or, or, or largely different people in science yeah, fiction. Yeah, yeah. See, I can totally see that. I can totally see that. There's a, we're a smaller group. 
So yeah. see, that's interesting. And that's something I don't, we don't talk about much is that there are differences in the genres and yeah. romance has its advantages over all the genres and uh, sci-fi has its advantages over most of the well, genres. Thriller's got some interesting advantages too, because thriller, you can write things in a non-serial series. Yeah. And still do really well. Yeah. And you guys can price higher. You know, science, if you look at, even if you look at trad pub science fiction now, they're having to price down to four ninety nine, five ninety nine, right? in a lot of cases. Yeah, Whereas I took could, a lot of flack for my sci-fi uh, stuff because it was serialized, right? Right. Uh, the way it was, because of the way it was serialized. Um, and I don't get any complaints about it now, so. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is very different though. Well, there's, I was talking to some, some people about, about they, were, they were sort of decrying the idea of tropes. I'm like, no, you have to give right. people tropes. You know, if you go to the, when you go to buy a burger at a restaurant, you expect that burger to be a certain way. If someone, if you get a burger and there's a banana in it, you're not going to be happy, you know? Right. You want cheese, not a banana. And it's the same thing with your, with, with the audiences, you know, they, they're looking for a certain type of story and if you don't give it to them, you have a problem. So it's, and that's a big thing and, and different genres specifically cater to different tropes. Yeah. You know? Well, like, now you're like, talking about writing to market, Michael. I guess Nobody, so. Yeah. Nobody that's, likes writing to market. I, don't, I never think about it as writing to market, though. I just think about it as like telling the story that, that people want to hear. Yeah. Meeting uh, expectations is not a bad thing. No, uh, it's not. When you're in any business. And, but in, writers in particular, and if you think that those guys, the, the golden age guys you're talking about, if you think that they were not writing to market, they were oh. absolutely writing to market. Yeah, and they had the magazine system to know if it right. was working or not. Exactly you know? right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it'd be like, but it'd be like, you know, if you went to an Italian restaurant and they started serving you Mexican food. Yeah. You know, you'd be like, what the heck is this? I came here for Italian. I came here for fettuccine and you're giving me a taco, you know, Stop stifling my creativity. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> it's like, yes, the cook might want to make whatever he wants, but he can't. He's you right. Know, he's an yeah. Italian restaurant. He has to make Italian. He has to open another restaurant. And then exactly. he can, he can make tacos. Pin name. Everything comes back to food is how the world works. If it, you know what, if you want me to understand anything, you need to explain it to me in terms of food. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> much if you want me to understand the uh, the uh, value of a reader, how many chicken wings can I buy with each reader? That's what I need to know. That's right. <laughs> I like that. Convert, convert readers <laughs> into chicken wing uh, philosophy of, of income. And this reader is a whole KFC family size. <laughs> I'll see. I haven't had lunch, man. Now I got to <laughs> wrap this up and I got to head for a KFC now. Uh, yeah. so we're, we're at time, which is actually really unfortunate because, um, I've all, I always enjoy talking to you and I feel yeah. like, uh, when we're at conferences, we kind of get pulled in different directions. Uh, but we always somehow end up with that moment where we get to sit around with a couple of drinks and, and, uh, we do yeah. each other. So that's good. Are you, uh, you going to be at Indie Book Fest this year? Yeah, I'll be at, uh, I'm going to Indie Book Fest. I'm going to uh, Space Coast, which is a month before Indie Book Fest. Okay. Um, and that's actually out of the at Cape Canaveral. So that's gonna be pretty cool. Like yeah. The, the hotel is like, like you can see the launch pads from the hotel. Type yeah. Of thing. And we haven't decided, uh, Dan and I need to talk. Um, we've been kind of shuffling conference duties a little, I, I think I'm going to be at both Indie Book Fest and Nink again. Yeah. I'll uh, be at Nink this year. I'm finally yeah. going. Oh, good. You're going to, that's a very different conference. <laughs> well, Diane Capri has been trying to get me to go there for some time. And yeah. And, uh, I finally decided that my argument against being a member of Nink was like all the benefits I felt that I got from CIFWA, but I've decided that CIFWA doesn't give me any benefits. So, um, yeah, man, I, no, I don't, I'm not going to trash CIFWA, but I got to say that I was kind of disappointed, but, uh, you know, whatever that CIFWA does offer some great advantages to its, uh, to its members. Yeah. I think there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of people can get a lot of things out of it. There just wasn't a lot for me to get out of it. So yeah, that's the way I felt too. Uh, and I'm, I am a CIFWA member and I, um, you know, maybe I need to go and look closer. Maybe there's some stuff I'm missing. I don't know. I don't it know. Could be, yeah. Nink course, though is, you know, Nink's a pretty big conference and it's, it's, it's everyone who shows up there is they're not trying to get into publishing. They are successfully publishing. So, that's the thing I think is, I feel at a lot of, con and I don't mind doing this because I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking at a lot of conferences this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like giving back and trying to help people and get a leg up, but I feel like I need to go somewhere where I can do that or exactly. I can be the sponge. And exactly. Something. Yeah. Cause that's what, you know, I hit like 10 or 12 of these things a year and uh, it, they're almost always about me helping the authors. This, yeah. this one is one that even though I am there as a, I'm typically there as a 
a vendor. Yeah. I get, I get more out of that conference and the San Francisco, San Francisco writers conference the same way. I I feel like that's a good one too. So if you're looking for another one to add, it's, it skews very traditional and it does have its sort of entry level folks looking for agents and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the tracks there were really, have been really good. I'm doing um, the New England uh, Speculative Fiction Writers Conference in April as well. Okay. That's in Portland, Maine. And then I'm also doing one called InkersCon um, in Dallas at the beginning of May. Um, oh, in Dallas. I should yep. try to go to that. It's, I, forget to, it's, I forget who runs it now. It's, it's actually a fairly big um, group of romance authors that run it. And they actually invited me to, uh, to come and talk about ads and stuff. Oh, excellent. Yeah. All right. So it'll be like completely out of my, I'd be like, probably like, I'll be like the only science fiction author in the entire place, but maybe, but there's, it's getting to where it, there's not as much of a distinction anymore, you know, cause there's romance writers are, they're starting to own other genres. They are. Yeah. Well, I'm right. actually, I'm actually working on, on a science, a sci-fi romance book right now. So I'm, I'm yeah. trying to, I'm trying to go the other way. I uh, just recently, I'm not going to reveal who it was. I just recently interviewed a romance thriller writer and, uh, I'm like, if you guys take over these genres, like none of the rest of us are going to have any hope. <laughs> yeah, we're well, I feel like, I feel like science fiction is one that's hard to like, at least the, the hard military science fiction is a lot harder to break into because you have to know all of the actual real world rules behind these things. Yeah. You know, yeah. you want to write military science fiction you start having, um, you start having Marines call the, the, uh, the staff sergeant staff, you're going to run into a problem. Yeah. You know, he has to be yeah. staff sergeant. If it's army, he can be staff, but if they're Marines, he has to be staff sergeant. You know, there's like all yeah. these little, little tiny rules that are everywhere. Yeah. These are things that you, you really need, you need to know this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And for the type of science fiction I write, if you don't know the maximum effective length, uh, range of a laser beam in space, you'll have problems because it's not yeah. infinite. The, the yeah. beam co- the beam will break apart and you lose beam cohesion. So at a certain range, it doesn't I, do damage anymore. Yeah. I mean, thrillers have, they, we have that. I mean, people, people get on me. If I get a, a, a fact of history wrong. That's true. I, yeah. I put the wrong type of grass in Central America near the, uh, the site of, of uh, the tomb that I explored in Mayan tomb. Uh, the, that, that type of grass grows much further south. I know this now. <laughs> There you go. You're right. There is stuff like that everywhere. I do feel like I do feel like certain genres, and maybe not. I, and actually, I've talked to some science, some thriller authors, and they're like, I had to like learn how quickly a body decomposes under these specific conditions and stuff yeah. like that. So See, this is that's the stuff that makes this fun for me. Like yeah, learning I, this stuff is part is probably half the reason I started writing in the first place. So when I was I'm when I was doing that. software, and I think this is the same sort of idea. Is like we always talked about, like in software, there's really no way to stop someone else from copying you in this day and age. You can't, you can't patent software very well. Right. Um, if you were to patent software, by the time it's patented, it's obsolete. Right. So, so you, you always have to worry that someone else is going to eat your lunch. Right. And what I would always argue is that the only thing you can do to stay ahead is, is quality. You, can't, you can build a new product overnight, but you can't build a quality product overnight. And I feel like that's the same thing with writing too, is that, is that you can, anybody can write a story but can anyone write a quality story? And that maybe isn't just the prose. That's, you know, your research and how you understand, how well you understand storytelling right. in the world and everything like that too. So that's, that's what my main focus is, is to tell, tell a story that's, that's, um, has good prose, really good science and is, is internally consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's the thing that drives me nuts about science fiction was not internally consistent. Yeah. One yeah. time it took four days to get there. The next time it took two days to get there. It's like, yeah, that bugs me too. I, I, I thought just for our call, I remembered that I'd written something into today's scenes that contradicts something I'd r- written the day before. And uh, so now it's going to bug me until I sit back down this afternoon and get back to it. Yeah, you I got to go fix, fix it. Don't forget. <laughs> well, it's a, and it's a literal night and day thing. Like I have a char- two characters interacting remotely in two different scenes one of them is the middle of the night and the other one is the middle of the day. So that's a problem. <laughs> well, they're, on the other side of the world. they're not on the other side of the world. They're okay. only in two different time zones in the U S. Oh yeah. Then you got it's a problem. A dumb, it was a dumb mistake. <laughs> yeah. But see, I'm catching it now. I re- I recognized it now. That's the point. That is as far better than a reader. The reader saying, By right. the way. <laughs> hey, dumbass. Yeah. When it's noon in, in Boston, it is not nighttime in San Francisco. <laughs> right. All right. Hey, man, uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, 
we'll we'll talk again uh, IRL as as the kids say. Yeah, uh, we, we've already determined that you and I are old old timers. Uh, that's right. In the middle of the day and that sort of thing. So, where can people find you and your mini series? Uh, the main place is, is aeon14.com. That's a e o n fourteen dot com. Um, and also, if you just go on Facebook and you just search for Aeon fourteen fans, you'll find the fan group, which is where a lot of the fans hang out and we talk story and science and science fiction there. The fans actually in my group, they post way more than I do. They probably post like five to 10 times a day. Yeah. So it's a really active group talking about a lot of fun stuff all the time. I really need to cultivate that. Uh, but a lot of my fans are, you know, old timers. Like, Mine are too. I would say the yeah. average age of my fans is about 50 to 60 years old. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. My, I, think it's, I honestly just think it's because they have more time on their hands. Well, that could be. I, I think I'm, I'm going to start encouraging that because I don't really push that. But I think it would be fun to have. I just didn't want to manage it. <laughs> once, you, once you get it going, it, it takes, I mean, ideally, it takes on life of its own, which is what yeah. mine is. I, don't, I've only, I think I only have ever had to remove three posts. And I've never had to kick anyone out of the group. So it's, I think it, it runs pretty well. All right. All right. I'll, I, will, I will take a look at that. I'll get a little closer to that. I think that'd sure. be great. All right. Uh, so everybody else, uh, thank you for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And uh, we're sure to have some stuff going on after this, so, so stick around for that. Right now, you're probably hearing the groovy theme music. You may dance in place at will, and we'll see you on the other side. Ciao. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mal Cooper, and I uh, hope you got something useful uh, to help in your Facebook ad campaigns and, uh, you know, the way you're marketing your books, you know, marketing our work is the, it's the number one question. Um, whenever I do webinars and ask me anything, and, you know, uh, when I talk at conferences, that's, that's the thing on everybody's mind. How do I market the work? Meaning how do I find readers, uh, to buy this stuff? You know, you put your heart and soul into these books. Um, and it's challenging to find a way to get readers to discover it. Uh, I have a lot of theories on ways that uh, can enhance that and uh, make it a little easier. But nobody so far, uh, no one in my circles at least, has come up with any kind of magic formula that makes it happen just on demand every time. Uh, but there's a lot of really cool and interesting things going on with uh, ad platforms right now. Facebook is one. Um, Amazon's uh, Amazon Marketing Services, or whatever they're calling it now, it's still referred to, I think, as AMS. Um, that is another way uh, that you can reach readers uh, directly on the Amazon platform. Something that I've been playing around with a lot lately is BookBub ads. Um, you know, I've been ta I talked with uh, David Gochran and uh, Ernest Dempsey, Wallet and Inc. And they really convinced me to dive in. I, and some of you may know, I actually have avoided, I think I even mentioned this in the interview, I have avoided advertising for quite some time, uh, mostly just trying to figure out the organic side of how to promote my business. How do I get readers to just naturally discover the work? That's always been very important to me. Because uh, I want to be able to answer that question for people who have no advertising budgets. You know, if you don't have money, you can't pay for ads. So um, I wanted to be able to talk to people on that level. I think I've, you know, found some tricks uh, to do that, mostly in the form of content marketing. Um, building up your mailing list is is paramount. Uh, you know, these are things you've probably heard. You've heard this stuff before. Um, so I'm not I'm not I'm not going to go into too much detail about it just yet. But uh, I have talked about it in past episodes. I'll talk about it in future episodes. Um, but the BookBub ads platform is, uh, pretty incredible. It's for, it's a fairly simple and straightforward way to do advertising. Uh, but it's robust in its reach, which is really interesting, uh, because you're advertising to folks who are, uh, subscribers to the service. They get the newsletters. It's on their site and it's in the, uh, newsletters. Um, and there are all kinds of tricks for, uh, you know, getting yourself in front of these folks. So, Looking very closely at that, as I learn, you will learn. I'll tell you everything that I discover as I go. Uh, so just give me some time. And I, I know there's always some impatience. Um, but I do recommend reading David Gochran's um, uh, Book Bub Ads uh, book. Uh, what is the title, the exact title? Here, I'm looking, on my, I'm looking on my phone now so that I can give you an exact title. Uh, it is Book Bub Ads Expert. 
by David Guthrie. And uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, I'm learning a lot from that. You can also learn a lot from his blog. Uh, his is not the only approach. Ernest Dempsey's approach is, is uh, very different. Um, and, and Dempsey doesn't have anything uh, official out yet. Maybe I should bring him on the show and talk to him about BookBub ads. What do you think of that? It'd be fun to have Ernie back on the show. So uh, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach out to him right after this. <laughs> so beyond that, um, I am, if you are attending conferences, I am going to be at 20 Books Vegas um, in November. So I think that's November 11th, I think, at uh, Sam's Town uh, Casino in Vegas. Uh, great conference. I'm going to be talking about bootstrapping your author career, which you've heard me talk about on this show in the past. In fact, that's why I'm talking about it. Um, after I did that episode, uh, Michael Anderley approached me about uh, talking about that very topic at 20 Books. So very much looking forward to um, to that experience. Um and to uh, you know, sharing what I my insights. I owe them a presentation, which is sitting on my desktop right now. Um, you know, what can I say? I I, <laughs> I do like a hundred presentations a year now. Uh, sometimes I like to relax a little. Uh, but anyway, we're gonna I'm gonna get that finished up probably today. Get it to them. Um, if you're gonna be at that conference, definitely come in check out the panel. I will also uh, be. I think that's pretty much my last conference for the year, I think. Um, I'll still be traveling some. Got some interesting stuff coming up. I've I've talked to you guys about uh, us getting on the road Uh, full-time. Lots of interesting things happening in preparation for that. So that will all be a future episode, uh, or two or three, or several. Who knows? Uh, But anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope... um, I hope you got something amazing out of this episode. Uh, I hope I'm inspiring, informing, educating, entertaining you. Uh, <laughs> those are my four pillars, uh, the four mission pillars of, uh, of my business here. I hope you're getting uh, that kind of blessing out of the show. I know I, uh, I know there's been a gap. Uh, there will be gaps in this time of year, especially conferences and holidays. Uh, but I'm going to try to pop in as often as I can. And I'm going to try to get that 200, 200th episode in before the end of the year for sure so i'm looking forward to that uh so stick around stay tuned swing back by god bless you i hope you have a wonderful weekend uh, and have a wonderful week ahead and we'll i'll see all of you next time Slinger.